This is The Converse, an apostolic tabernacle podcast all about sharing the truth of God's Word. In this podcast, you will hear sermons, panel discussions, and much more. If you would like more information about this ministry or would like to plan your visit, go to atwilmington.com. For now, enjoy your time on The Converse. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. And it says, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. And that has absolutely nothing to do with altar working. Actually, that means basically like ordaining leaders and not to do it too soon to make sure they're ready for leadership position. But it sounded good. And you hear people, you hear people talk about it at the altar like, you don't lay hands on people suddenly. Well, that's probably a pretty good principle, too. And um, I was thinking about, an, about the altar, and uh, I just got just one page of notes. And so I think when we did this on Thursday, I was just sitting down on the couch talking. It took probably 10, 15 minutes, and they asked me a few questions, and uh, that took maybe five more minutes. So it probably won't take too long. And um, But thought about what the altar is in our, in our sense of knowledge of what altar is. And um, first of all, uh, altar is understood, I think, by most of us that it's a place of sacrifice. But also for us, probably, when we think about the altar, we think about, should think probably a power source or a power point to draw spiritual and and supernatural strength from. And so when we talk about coming to an altar, um, we're talking about, first of all, the sacredness of it, but also we're talking about coming in contact with God and um, having our needs met, being able to pray for others for supernatural strength and so on and so forth. But also altars are places of separation where we separate ourselves from everything else we're doing and we give ourselves to God. And, and also, I think we separate ourselves from sin. We repent at an altar. How many have the habit of coming and asking God at the altar to forgive us? We also separate from, um, from what I would say generational traits or family spirits, and I spoke a little bit about that on Sunday morning. I mentioned it. You know, trying to help break that cycle that sometimes we wrestle with from in our families. Could be maybe came from an alcoholic family, which I did, and drug addict family. And a lot of my siblings, they wrestled with that throughout their lives. And it's been a struggle for some of them. Or maybe it's you come from a very negative family. Anybody come from negative family? Don't raise your hand. And you find yourself, you know, being negative like maybe your mother and father were. And so that altar is a good place. And, and when I think about the altar, I want to talk a little bit in context of our personal altar and the church altar. And just very quickly, I'll mention that in just a moment. But from the scriptures, there were people who, of course, made altars. We find that throughout the Bible. They made an altar and they sacrificed unto God. Um, 
and they would consecrate themselves. In the Bible, we, we find concerning the tabernacle and the temple, we find two altars, the burnt uh, offering, the, where we did the burnt offering, the altar of sacrifice, and then there's the altar of incense. And when I, when I thought about those two, I thought about, in the essence, that there always should be in our life a personal altar and then a church altar. Okay, and here's our church altar tonight. But we all have to have a personal altar. And, and, and sometimes I think we don't have a personal altar because the only time we ever come to an altar is at church. And, and, and in my, my experience, I'm just talking from basically experience, what we see is a lot of repetitiveness, same ones coming over and over for the same thing. You need to take care of that at your personal altar at home especially if you're in leadership or you're somebody that needs to be praying for people or somebody that should be maturing the Lord and eating meat and not drinking milk, then you have to have that personal altar. And, and, and every day, that you should find one, wherever it may be. Some people, their personal altar might be in the closet. Some people might be, Brother Richard, I think yours is in your car, maybe going to work. I know a lot of people pray going to work. And if you drive in Wilmington traffic, you need to do two things, watch and pray. And, um, and so, you know, the personal altar. Don't forget about that. All throughout the Bible, you find men that wanted to get closer to God, women that wanted to get closer to God. They made a personal altar, and I think that's very important. And, um, but tonight in particular, though, we want to talk about altar working around the church helping people pray. And that's an awesome thing. I think that's a fabulous thing. And I I said the other night on Thursday night, I talked about how um, we prayed before service. And I know most of you probably had time of prayer before our service tonight. And maybe on your car, maybe when you came into the sanctuary for a few moments, maybe in, in our offices when we prayed before service. And we prayed and we prepare, we prepare to have a great move of God. We want God to come. We ask God in our prayers to have his way in our church services, to have our way families and special needs and healing folks and so on and so forth. And, um, and our pastor encourages us to pray. Also, of course, we have great, fabulous worship service. I mean, the power of God begins to move, doesn't it? And um, worship team is awesome and... and uh, We enjoy our worship. Sometimes that leads into uh, people coming to the altar just because of the presence of God is so thick when we begin to worship and praise the Lord. And then then our pastor and whoever the minister is, in particular our pastor, ministering a powerful anointed word of God to us. And so you got all these things going into the service, not to count the preparation of people driving vans, people uh, cleaning the church, people doing all these sorts of things to get everything ready, the multimedia, the cameras, and so on and so forth. And all this stuff goes into play. And then, then it comes to a point where we have an altar service. Well, you know, all that effort that went into it, we can mess it all up just by doing things that we shouldn't do at the altar. And so that's why the pastor would like me to speak on this because, man, we're here... And one thing about altar working is probably, in, in my estimation, is to help, assist, 
or maybe to facilitate, facilitate a person uh, to have an experience with God, whether that be salvation, whether that be healing, whether that be deliverance, which we were praying for the other night, or whatever it may be, we come to that place to help them. And, and I'm going to tell you something, and I don't mean this disrespectful, but sometimes at a Pentecostal apostolic church, it can be chaotic at the altar. And um, sometimes you see some weird things going on at the altar. Have you ever seen some weird stuff happening? Amen. You ever, your first experience in an apostolic Pentecostal church at the altar was sometimes it can be a little frightening, can't it? And um, people do a lot of very weird things. And speaking of weird things, here comes Brother Eugene Koenig. Amen. That was right on cue, buddy. Amen. And, um, and um, so, you know, all that effort went into it. The Spirit of God's moving. People's hearts are right. And um, I just want to talk a few minutes more about some things don't do at the altar. Okay? And then I'll talk about a few things to do. Okay? But don't slap people at the altar. It's not, it, don't massage people because people are just going to come back for that massage. They're not even going to, so I want that person right there to pray for me because, man, they are rubbing me down like I ain't never been rubbed down before. And, you know, it's like very strange. You know, yeah, it is. People, people, uh, you know, get on people, and, and listen, we're dealing with, we're dealing with people that have never been in church. I mean, you get right up in their face, start spitting in their face, and that's not a good thing. That's not a good way to, you know, make it appetizing to come. So oh, you don't need to scream in their ear. You don't need to have, you know, you ever been at the altar and you got five people telling you to do five different things, and you're not really sure what to do. You're hearing all this stuff all this information, and just think, put yourself in the position of being unchurched, never been to church before, man, you're feeling something, and the pastor says, we're going to invite you to come to the altar, and you're feeling the tug of God, and you come up here, and all this stuff's happening, and you're thinking, I'm thinking in my mind when I'm watching it, this is not of God, this, this is not, it's just maybe we're Zealous, we're not, maybe not. We're not doing it intentionally, but really, what we're doing sometimes is hindering more than we're helping. And I'm not saying we're doing it intentionally. I know there's a lot of good, earnest people here tonight, but people, you know, today in our society, there's a big thing about personal space, and that's a good thing, you know. Hey, you're, you, ever, you ever heard? Hey, you're getting in my personal space. Well, praying for people, if you're not careful, you could probably overstep the bounds of what people consider personal space. So we have to be careful. We have to remember we're dealing a lot of times with the unchurched. And, and, um, and so we have to respect them. We don't want to, um, you know, we don't want to do anything that we shouldn't do. Uh, so those are some of the things that you don't want to do. You don't, you don't want to do any weird stuff. You know, look, we can, we can pull on people and shake them. That's not what gives people the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you're not going to pound it, the Holy Ghost into people. I know sometimes you feel like pounding people, but 
You're not going to pound healing into them. It's by the power of God that, that we do the things that we do in decent in order, and it's the power of God that gives us the results. So and you can scream, you can cry, you can, you know, jump, you can do all kinds of weird stuff, you know, but that's not going to help. What's going to help is that we, we, we learn that we're relying on the power of God. And we want to do it carefully. And we want to do it respectfully because we're at the altar. So one of my things I said the other night is the first thing you probably want to do when people come to the altar is you probably, the right thing to do is ask them what they need. What, 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 what do you need us to pray for? Okay, and you, you, would, you would ask them what they need. Sometimes they may come up and they're standing there and they're praying and you're not sure. You might want to just gently ask them, you know, is there something I can pray with you about? And, and it's important that three or four people are not trying to do the talking at one time. One person, one minister, designated ministers are people that the pastors asked to come and help us pray. We need to come and be ready. We don't, if, if he's designated you to be somebody to help pray, you need to be up here. And when he says, ministers, care group leaders, or whatever he says, I want you to come. Don't linger around in the back. Don't sit in the pew. You know who you are. Come on, get the old, be ready. If people come and ask them, what do you need? Sometimes we're praying for stuff they don't even want. Sometimes we can pray for them to receive the Holy Ghost and they haven't even repented of their sins. We need to find out what they need. And then we can pray effectively. Um, of course, this is needless to say, we need to have good hygiene. I didn't get enough amens on that. <laughs> we need to make sure that you know, the best we can. I know, listen, it was hot Sunday night. And people were sweating. I mean, you know, I don't know what kind of deodorant you use, but we needed to have some powerful deodorant on that night. We were hot. It was hot in here. And, um, but we need to have good hygiene. If, you know, after we worship and, and, and praise the Lord and pray, you know, our breath might be, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what to say about it. It could be, not too pleasant, and so we might need to have a mint or a cough drop, or, you know, we don't believe in chewing gum, but if it's between bad breath and chewing gum, I think, let's take the chewing gum. That's just me, Pastor. And, um, but we need to try to get a little order. Now, sometimes now, think with me, there are people that come, and they, and, and maybe it's church people, and they're just laying down on the altar, and they're praying, well, they just might want to communicate with God. What we need, really, is to pay real close attention to people that maybe are looking for salvation or people that are looking to be healed or delivered or whatever it may be. might be a specific problem. Some people just like to come and pray at the altar, and that's fine. A brother might see a brother. You might just lay your hands on his shoulder. You know, he's just praying, and that's, that's okay. But then there's that specific needs that if we're not careful, we allow people to leave and never have their needs met because we didn't get specific and find out what they needed. I also think that if you're going to be a 
somebody that prays at the altar that you don't pray behind people. You always face people. Okay? Now, I know, like I said, if they're up the altar and you put your hand on them, that's one thing. But people with specific needs, you want to look at them. And as you're praying, you want to keep your eyes open to see what kind of needs they have. And so you look at it, and you want to, want to help me demonstrate, all right? So I'm going to look at you and, and see if I start praying for her, I can tell if automatically she becomes uncomfortable. Right now she's saying, Bishop, I want you to pray for me so bad. <laughs> and her mom and dad are begging me to pray for her so bad. I want you to get the spirit of deliverance and pray for me. But we got to pay attention because some people, you can look at them. Thank you. You can look at them, Kimar, and tell if you're, you know, kind of making them uncomfortable. But if you got your eyes closed and you're just talking in tongues, and it's going crazy, and they're probably looking at you like, somebody help me in here, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, they just they don't know what to do. I mean, you 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 have to be you have to be careful because you can scare people. And I remember as a kid, I went to Apostolic Church. I, we didn't stay; we just went. And you know, my mother was struggling. You know, she was uh, a Church of God, and we went. And uh, but I remember, and I remember as a child in Church of God that they would have prayer meeting. I mean, as a kid, I was scared to death. They'd be screaming and carrying on. I mean, like, whoa, what's going on? I was just a little kid. I didn't know what was happening, but it scared me. But can you imagine unchurched? I mean, you know, some kind of person out there that's never been in church, first time, they're not really sure what's going on, and, uh, and they come to an altar. You can relate, right? You come to an altar, you, it can be intimidating. It can be scary you got to watch and see what the reaction is talk to them try to make them comfortable you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to scare them you want to make them comfortable how you and, and once you see what their emotions are and how they're feeling you pretty much can know how to proceed and as you're praying for them in particular if they're trying to pray for the holy ghost I always like to keep my eyes open because you can look at their their countenance it'll begin to change as the power of God begins to fall on them. Amen. But if you got your eyes closed, you're missing all the cues, all the things that you need to look at and see and watch for, especially like when you're praying for somebody who needs the Holy Ghost. You can see if they're starting to stammer, their lips with stammering lips in another tongue. And um, that brings me to another point, if it's okay, is that you don't ever try to teach people how to talk in tongues. The Holy Ghost comes from God. Amen. And, and you don't get up there and, you know, and, and just try to get them tongue-tied. And, and, and I know our church doesn't do that, but I've been in a lot of churches where they're talking about, you know, see my Honda, ride my Honda, tie my tie, and on and everything else. And I'm like, dude, what is this? I mean, you need, I've, I've heard people talk in tongues. I said, that's not of God. Amen. Teaching them how to talk in tongues. When you get the Holy Ghost, it'll come on you. You'll, you'll speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. But keep your eyes open and, and be alert and be, be careful because what we're dealing with is eternity. Sometimes that might be the only opportunity we ever get at that altar to make a difference. And so for tonight, I just want to say that it's a great privilege to pray for people 
And where it does say, uh, you know, where we use the scripture tonight, but even it's totally out of context for what I'm going to say, but it does connect in, in this sense that I always say, is it okay if I pray with you? So I'm talking about new people. Is it okay if I pray with you? If it's okay if I, and I'm, is it okay if I lay my hand on you, on your head? And let them know exactly what you're going to do because you don't want to frighten them. You don't want to make them afraid. You don't want to, you know, cause them to be anxious or, or worrying about what you're doing instead of what's happening at that moment in their life. And so I'm getting ready to close, Pastor, unless you want me to say anything else. Oh, yeah, hand placement. Well, we talked a little bit about the hand placement, about not massaging their back, not rubbing their shoulders. You know, for man, we lay hands on a woman's head, and a brother can lay hands maybe on the shoulder or on the back. Same for a sister, lay hands on the shoulder or the back. But ministers, when we pray, we put the hands, put our hands on their head. That's 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 biblical, to touch them and pray for them, right on their head. Okay, and so we got to be careful. That's just another thing about the personal space again, and how we conduct ourselves and how we handle ourselves. Pastor asked me the other night, well, somebody asked me, I think, and I'll close with this, what was one of the weirdest things ever happened at the altar? Well, man, whew, there's a lot of weird stuff, you know, in Pentecostal church. I could go on and on and on, but one of my experiences is that one night we, we had a, this is years and years and years ago, we had, man, a very powerful move of God. I think several people got the Holy Ghost, baptized a few people. We know how it is pastor make the altar call and then we have this long services you know and at the very end somebody has been sitting there the whole time says well i'm gonna go up and get prayer we're all wore out and tired you could have came up 30 minutes ago and but you didn't for some reason and uh and so there was a guy they were trying to get him up to the altar he had been involved in satanic worship and other things and uh, you know litany of things and so every it, we were try, I was trying to close out the service, and, and they were trying to get him up there for some reason. Every step he got a little closer, he started screaming out more. And I'm, you know, I'm taking it all in. I'm drenched with sweat. Back in those days, your tie would be, jacket would be, your shirt would be, pants would be. Yeah, you can imagine your socks and everything else would be drenched with sweat. Yeah, and so, and so... And so he got a little closer, and he, he got about to that door over there, and he was screaming up a storm. And they said, they came running up to him. That's when I was pastoring. They said, man, he's got, a, he's got demons in him. You're going to have to cast them out. I said, he's going to have to come back for the next service. I can guarantee you those demons aren't going anywhere. They'll be there the next service. So I'm going to end it on that. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to visit us at atwilmington.com. We will see you next time on The Converse.